called Abraham Lord. I've tried to get my wife to do that. It doesn't work out. So uh, wow, that was great, man. Well, thank you. Well, open your Bibles, if you would, to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. I'm going to be in the ESV this morning. Mark chapter 5. I have not been converted to the Cornhuskers yet. I was actually born in Oklahoma, moved to Iowa at the age of five, and I've been a Hawkeye ever since. There is a God and he loves me. What can I say? Um, yeah, I won't mention last Thursday, last Friday's game. Why aren't you talking anymore? Okay. <laughs> Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read the passage this morning. We'll pray, and then we're going, to dis- we're going to hear from God's Word. Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read the first 20 verses. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs in the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned into the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it, what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Let's open this morning in prayer. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we thank you for the inspired word word of God, which is true. Lord, we thank you that you have given us your word, which tells us who you are and what you expect from us. We thank you that it declares that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven and that salvation can be found through him. Father, we pray for, I pray this morning if there are students here who have never repented of their sins and given their lives to Jesus, that today may be the day of salvation. And Father, I pray for those of us here who do know Christ, may we take a fresh look and ask some questions in our own heart about the sincerity of our walk. We thank you for your love. In Christ's name, amen. I'm not going to lie. I love movies. How many of you have seen the Avengers, the whole Marvel thing? I'm not, I love that. Growing up, I'm going to date myself. I'm a really old guy. I was born in 1983. 
And so, uh, the teachers laugh. So, uh, and when I was in Oklahoma growing up, I remember we didn't have cable, we just had telev- normal television. And I remember my first superhero growing up, I had a, uh, they had the old uh, Superman cartoons. But I also remember growing up and watching, uh, it was a really big deal, because Adam West would come on TV, and it was the old Batman series. I mean, any of the teachers remember that? Batman? Oh, yeah. It was great. I, I could do the theme song, but I want you know, da na 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 Batman. And the, the whole clips were pow, bang. It was great. I, got, I remember getting all excited. I get goosebumps now. Just kidding. Um, but then I look at it later, and their costumes now, looking back, are terrible. And, 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 sci- and, and the movie industry has done great. These, I've really enjoyed the Iron Man, you know, the Avengers. You've got all these different plot twists. And, and the idea of a superhero is something that really kind of attracts us. We, we, we like the good guy. We want someone to come in and kind of to save the day, do we not? That, that's what makes it. And, and, and in these Avenger movies, what's great is each of these characters has a weakness and a flaw. And that gets exposed, and somehow they've got to overcome that or, or work as a team to, to get through this. What's interesting, though, is that we will pay money to watch these movies, which is great. They're, they're, they're fun movies to watch. But the problem is, at the end of the day, they're not real. They're not. Iron Man doesn't exist. The Hulk doesn't exist. Ladies, I'm sorry. Thor's not real. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting is we have those scriptures, and we're introduced to a person who is real, and he has greater authority than the Hulk, Thor, and Iron Man, and everyone put together. I don't like to call these stories, because when we, sometimes we hear the word story, what do we think? We think that they're fake. The Bible is inspired history. It, it, I'm sorry, here in, in, in Mark, we have inspired history. This is a real, historical, eyewitness account of what of a, of a day or a morning in Jesus's life that took place, and I want to talk to you this morning about the authority of Jesus over spiritual darkness. The authority of Jesus over spiritual darkness. I want to start with Mark chapter five, and I want to begin with verse one. And I, want to, I just want to walk through the passage with you. It says in verse one that they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gerasenes. If you've got a New King James, it may say uh, uh, the Gadarenes. Uh, there's a, a territorial wording difference there. We won't get into it this morning. Before, t- to set the scene this morning, to start back where just before this passage, the disciples have, uh, were just in the boat with Jesus. And during the night, there was this huge storm that had come out, and, and, the, and Jesus is asleep in the boat. And so these guys are, are, are freaking out. You know, you've got grown fishermen, right? So these men are used to being in a boat. And when you can get grown fishermen scared, that's a pretty big deal. Has anybody ever seen that show? Was it a, a Deadliest Catch on TV where they take these guys and they, and they get, okay, very good. And they, and they get all these, these, these uh, they get the food out of the sea and, and it is, this water's huge. They've got these huge waves. And when you see those men scared, it's a big deal because they're professional, professional fishermen. They're, they're tough men. And so... In, in Mark chapter 4, we have these tough fishermen who are scared to death because of the storm, and they're scared they're going to die, so they go wake up this man who's sleeping in the boat, Jesus. Jesus gets up, and with his mouth, rebukes the wind and the waves. Now, I don't know about you, but anybody who can turn off the storm by the, just by flipping a light switch proverbially, that's a pretty big deal. And in fact, if you look at, at the end of Mark chapter 4, they ask this question, and I love it. Verse uh, 41. And they were filled with great fear, and they said to one another, 
Who then is this, or who can this be, that even the winds and the waves obey him? Who in the world has the authority to shut off nature? Now, I don't know about you, that's a, that'd be a pretty awesome sight. It'd be a scary moment. But it gets worse. So they've been on this boat, right? They're pulling up to the sea, verse 1 of chapter 5. They came to the other side of the sea of the country of the garrison. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Now, I don't know if I was a disciple, like to say, man, this guy couldn't get any, this, this, this 24 hour period couldn't get any worse. As soon as they land, Jesus gets out and a demon possessed dude starts running towards your boat. That's not fun. I can, see, I can just see Peter, the, the guy, oh, Jesus, we'll follow you anywhere. Demon possessed dude, you can take this one. We're staying inside the boat. <laughs> In fact, the disciples don't show up in the account. They're not mentioned, which I think is rather interesting. So, so they, Jesus steps out of the boat, and a demon possessed dude runs towards him. Is demon possession real? Yes. The Bible talks about it. And it says in verse 2, And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat immediately, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Now I want you to listen here. I want you to look what Mark does. When we read our Bibles, we need to understand authorial intent. What, what, why, did the, why did the author tell us this? He's going to give us a bunch of details, and they're important, because it's going to just show us how, how bad this guy really has it, okay? So, so let's look what Mark says. He's going to describe this guy. Look at verse 3. It says, He lived among the tombs. Now, if, if, if this is a Jewish man, we're not sure. If he's a Jewish man, that's a no-no because those are de dead bodies are unclean. But to even be a non-Jew, to, to be forced to live with dead bodies is unthinkable. It's disgusting. None of us would want to live in a cemetery. It says in verse 3 that he lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. So Mark is now telling us where he lives, and he's telling us now just how strong he is. Look at verse 3. He says that no one can bind him. You can't contain him. He says not even with chains. We're looking at a gentleman. You and I know who the Hulk is in the Avengers. You have a real-life Hulk, a man who's demon-possessed, and no one can stop him. You cannot physically contain this guy. It says in verse number 4, for he had often, they're going to tell you how, how, how they've tried to contain him, verse 4, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains. It puts them around his wrist and his ankles. But he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. When you would bind him, he could twist it and break it like nothing. That's a scary dude. That's a strong dude. And, and Mark is telling us this for a reason. He, he would break through all of this. And, and at the end of verse 4, no one had the strength to subdue him. It's not going to happen. He has stated it over and over again. No one, no one, no one can stop demon-possessed guy from the mountain. But look at his torment. Verse 5. Night and day. Constant. Night and day among the tombs. And on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. You may say, oh my gosh, night and day in the mountains, where's the life out? That's terrible. No. <laughs> night and day, he's living by himself, with dead bodies, and he's got so much inner conflict and pain. He's crying out, and he cuts himself constantly. Now, I don't have the time to get into 
to this morning about the issue of cutting, which is, a, which is an issue. I've worked with teams who've done that, and I would say to you that you have hope outside of that. The hope is found in Christ. But this man has it bad. He lives with he lives with the dead. He has a demon in him that makes him powerful. No one can stop him. He cries out constantly. Could you imagine living in the surrounding region where you hear on the mountain where the tombs are at that there's a guy crying out constantly? Could you imagine being a child growing up and hearing, Mama, is that the wolf? No, that's the that's the old demon possessed guy. We need to make sure you stay away from that. Watch this, verse 6. So the, he's got, Mark has gone out of his way. Listen, Mark has gone out of his way to tell us this man is strong and no one can help him. He cannot flee himself. He cannot free himself from this. No one can bind him. He has inner turmoil. He is crying out. This man, in the eyes of the world, is hopeless. Do you know what it's like to be without hope? He is hopeless. No doctor, no one he can turn to can help him. Verse 6, And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he fell down before him. The King James, New King James, they worshipped him. Just as a side note, this is not a Chris Tomlin concert. What is about ready to happen here is awesome. This guy has no hope, but when this man sees Jesus... He runs down and he falls before him. Why would this happen? Verse 7. And crying out with a loud voice. It's, look, this, is, this is a scary, this is like an October Halloween thing. This is a scary passage because it's, the word is megalop. He gives out a mega scream. He's crying out. Verse 7. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus the Son of the Most High God, I adjure you, or I beg you by God, do not torment me. Now this is interesting. Because the man has not run to Jesus on his own. The demon has brought him here. And this demon has had free reign. He has tormented this man. We don't know for how long years. In fact, by what we're going to find out, and I'm going to argue, this guy has been, has been uh, he's not been this way his whole life, but he's been like this for quite some time. This guy has had free, this, this demon has had free reign in this man. This man has been hopeless for months, weeks, maybe even years. And so when this demon sees Jesus, he makes a beeline and he falls before him. And he says, look at me, verse 7. He says, he, he acknowledges who Jesus is. Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. He says, I adjure you or I beg you by God, do not torment me. Now there's irony here in verse number 7. The demon is asking Jesus to not beg him, and who does he invoke? God. I'm asking God, I'm begging God, please go for me. The, the enemy of God, these, this demonic force, is begging God that Jesus would not torment him. He realizes that whoever Jesus of Nazareth is, he has the ability to torment. Let's study. Verse 8, for he was saying to him, that Jesus was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. So he's, ca he's calling for the demon to come out, and the demon's like, listen, hold on, don't torment me. 
verse 9, and Jesus asked him, What is your name? He's addressing the demon. What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion. We are many. Our story, just went, this guy's situation just went from bad to worse. Mark has gone out of his way to show us how bad this guy has and no one can bind him. He's tormented. But now we see what's really going on. This guy doesn't just have one demon. The word legion in a Roman context is about 6,000. This guy has thousands of demons in him. No one can stop him. He's hopeless. But when Jesus of Nazareth gets out of the boat, look at me, students. All of a sudden, this demon is freaking out. He realizes he's no longer the big man on campus. And he makes his beeline and they begin to beg him, listen, don't torment me. Don't torment us. Verse 10, look. And they begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Don't send us away. Don't, don't, we want to stay here. Don't, 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 don't do this. Verse 11. Now understand that when you read the Bible, when the author gives you information, old tight, it's going to come into play. They don't just give you random things. It's like Jesus was... Um, Jesus got out of the boat. There's a Starbucks 12 miles west. And then you continue with the story. If, if Mark gives us information, we need to hang on to it because it's going to play into the story. So look at verse 11. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding on the hillside. You say, well, that's interesting. That's random. And they, the demons, begged him, saying, send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So now the demons are going to go to compromise mode. Hey, we, we recognize that you have the authority to afflict us and torment us. We recognize that you are far more superior. In fact, they tell him, again, look back at verse 3, that you are the son of the Most High God. They recognize Jesus as God in the flesh. They know who he is. In fact, when you read Mark, you will see the demons' response to Jesus. The people are struggling and trying to figure out who's this man. The demons know exactly who he is. So they're begging us, send us into the pigs. The text doesn't give us the motive. We're not exactly sure why. And at this point, it's just conjecture. We don't need to know. Verse, uh, verse 12. And they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. Verse 13. So he gave them permission. Now this is interesting. God shows grace to demons. Jesus himself extends grace in this moment. He, gives, he lets them go into the pigs, so he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the, step, the steep bank into the sea, and they drowned into the sea. As an overweight man, to see all this bacon go bye-bye is -bye, a huge issue. I ran once back in 1993, I'll tell you about it sometime. There was this ice cream truck and I missed it and I was suing. <laughs> What's interesting about our context, again, if this is a Jewish man, we're not told, Jews aren't supposed to have pigs. So if this is a Jewish area, this is a great no-no. They're unclean. So these unclean animals, either way, want to go in these, un these unclean demons, want to go in unclean uh, animals, they do, and to know that this is not normal, if you've ever been around pigs, has anybody ever been around pigs in general? Pigs are not, they, they do their own thing. 
You won't line them up and march them out. All right, please line up. We're going to go attack. This isn't how that works. They, they kind of, it's, like, it's like hurting junior hires. It's like, come on, guys. Stay here to go. <laughs> Timmy, don't do that. Stop, stop. Come over with the group. Honey. Come on. <laughs> so all of a sudden, these demons get in these pigs. These pigs realize, you know what? We're going to work together as a team. Something's not right. Something's different. So they take these pigs, right? And they go into this sea. Verse 14, immediately. There's a, there's a herdsman there. There's someone feeding him. Verse 14. The herdsman fled, of course, and told him in the city and in the country. If you're feeding pigs and all of a sudden they'll go flying into the sea, then you're going to go tell somebody. And the people came to see what had happened, of course. Because when someone tells you that all the pigs you were feeding are gone, and they come tell you what happened, you're going to go see what happened. Because remember, this is someone's income and livelihood. Someone's a pig farmer here in this text. Verse 15. And they came to Jesus, these people, after they saw this, and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had, listen to all these past tense words. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who what? Who had had the legion sitting there. What is he? He's clothed. He's in his right mind. And guess what? And they are afraid. Because, we, again, we don't know long how long this has been. Everybody knows that demon-possessed Frank has been in the mountains for some time. And he's been causing problems in the area. And people are scared. But all of a sudden, Frank's fine, the dude's fine, and the pigs are gone. And all of a sudden, you start putting these connections together. Verse, verse, uh, verse 17, 16. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. So now, you, now you're at a crucial point here. The crowd has to make a decision. Because before Jesus showed up, there's a demon-possessed man who's hopeless, and there's pigs. Now since Jesus has showed up, the demon-possessed man is fine, the pigs are gone. And you've got to... And, and, and the fact is, it's Jesus' guy. And now you have to make a decision. What are we going to do with Jesus of Nazareth? Verse 17. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from the region. There's a lot of begging in this passage. The demons are begging Jesus to not torment them. The people are now begging Jesus to go away. He's back to business. The pigs are gone. Somehow demon possessed Frank dude is okay. This isn't right. We're scared of you. Please leave. Question, how did Jesus respond? Now, he, he just literally got out of the boat. They literally just crossed the sea. Huge storm. Verse 18. As he was getting into the boat, stop. Is it okay? Say, hold on a second. Like, if this is a missions trip, this is like the most failed missions trip ever. You were there for like five seconds. Because what did he do? He, kept, he took a man who's had no hope. And what did Jesus give him? Hope. Listen, students, you, there is nothing in your life, there is no sin, there is no past, there's nothing you've ever done to make you hopeless. Because the grace that is extended to us through Jesus Christ is a grace that is beyond our comprehension. And Jesus, they, they want Jesus to go, they're begging him, they're adjuring, they're imploring, please leave. And so he gets into the boat, verse 18. But watch it, this is the beautiful part of this. Verse 18, and he was getting into the boat, or as he was getting into the boat, watch this, as he was getting into the boat, 
The man, past tense, who had been demon possessed, what did he do? He begged him. Look at verse 18. He begged him that he might be with This man has no hope. Jesus gives him what no one else can give him as hope. And the dude is begging to be with him. Is that not the proper response? What does Paul tell us us in Romans 12.1? That we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. When we've been saved by Jesus, we give him our life. And when when this man realizes that it was Jesus who gave him a hope when he had not, he says, I want to be with you. And you're thinking, yes, this is awesome, a new disciple. And truly, this man was his disciple. Anybody who who believes in him is his disciple. But he says, I want to physically, I want to be with you. But watch what Jesus does. This is stunning. Verse 19. And he did not permit him. Jesus told him no. He says in verse 19, he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Jesus says, I don't need you to follow me physically. I just need you to go home and share the good news of what's happened to you. Because it's incredible. The guy has had friends and family prior to his demon possession. What under circumstances he has been demon possessed. God, in the flesh, Jesus has saved him. He tells him to go back and tell others. Verse 20. And he went away. That's the man. And he went away. And what did he do? Verse 20. And he began to proclaim in the Decapolis, or the area of ten cities, how much Jesus had done for him. So this guy, once he's begging Jesus, you, you changed my life, you saved me, I want to be with you. Jesus said, no, you can't follow me. I want you to go home. You're our first missionary. I want you to go home. I want you to tell your friends. I want you to tell your family. Everything that I've done for you. For the Lord. Who's the Lord? What I've done for you. Jesus is Lord. And he does. Last three words of the ESP. And everyone... I want to leave you with only two applications today. Number one, and I've already alluded to it, you have been given life here on this earth. Some of you are here by choice in this room. Some of you, not by choice. But by God's providential plan, you're here. And I want you to listen loud and clear. There is a God who loves you, And he sent his son, Jesus of Nazareth, born of the flesh, born of the virgin, to live the perfect life, die paying the sin debt that you and I could not pay. And Mark shows us from Mark 5 that this gentleman is not just a man. He has the authority over demons, and demons recognize it. Because when they see Jesus of Nazareth, they get scared. Jesus is in the business of taking people who have no hope or who think they have no hope and gives them hope because he is the only one who can change you from the inside out. 
You guys, I got saved at the age of five. I grew up, my parents divorced. I broke away, broke away from God. Think I'm going to do things on my own. I lived a life that did not honor God. And I'm telling you right now, as a personal testimony to you as a 34-year-old, God can save you, and He changes you, and even after you're saved, He forgives you of everything. And He says, you're mine, and you're going to proclaim my message to others. You say, is that going to mean I have to be a preacher or a pastor's wife or a missionary? No, not at all. It just means you have to be a faithful witness wherever He places you. And if you're here this morning, Understand that there's a God and, and His name is Jesus and He offers salvation this morning if you will repent of your sins and give Him your life. That's beautiful. The second thing I want to say is this. To those of you who know Christ as your Savior, you claim to be a Christian. There's been a moment in time when you've repented of your sins and given your life to Jesus. Yeah, I'm going to follow Christ. Verse 18, I'm sorry. Verse 18, we find out that the man who'd been changed was begging Jesus to follow him. Brother or sister in Christ, let me ask you something. When was the last time you were begging to follow Jesus? Brother and sister, listen to me. Has Jesus Christ lost his wonderment in your life? And if he has, I submit to you this morning that Jesus hasn't moved. You do. And that the sin, that there's sin in your life that is blinding you to the reality of who Jesus truly is. The Bible says in Ephesians that sin is deceitful. It lies to you. It'll tell you things like Jesus isn't enough. You've not been forgiven. But the gospel says otherwise. And I encourage you this morning. There's a God who loves you. And Mark 5 makes it very clear. That, that God is Jesus. And He has the authority over spiritual darkness. And He has the authority to take the hope and to give them hope. Father, we thank you for this day and thank you for an opportunity to spend time with your word this morning. I thank you for your, your blessings that you've extended to us freely that we do not deserve. And Father, I ask this morning if there's someone here who does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they'll come and they'll either talk to me or they'll pull one of the teachers aside and say, I want to know more about Jesus. I want to know what it means to be his follower. I want the hope that this man had in Mark 5. And Father, I pray this morning for someone here as a believer who is not, who hasn't been begging to follow Jesus, whose desire to follow Jesus is waning. May they see and be rekindled in their hearts that Jesus is worthy of all of their devotion, all of their life. Because that's what he calls for. If any man will come after him, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. And in his precious name we pray. Amen.